Well, good morning. And especially to all our moms out there, happy Mother's Day. Yeah, let's, uh, yeah, let's give a round of applause to our mothers. Yeah. So I want to share today from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 15 on a message that I've entitled, Mothership, Mothership. Um, mothership, that's right, the mothership. I've changed my message title right now, write it down. I didn't think of that till just this moment. Motherhood matters, motherhood matters. But before we do that, I'd like to have a little bit of fun at the beginning of this message today. So I want to recognize some moms in the room right now. So here we go, here we go. Who is our newest mother? Now, here's what you mean on this one. Our brand newest mother. That means you have to have a baby here with you at present this morning. Who, if you are a mother with a baby under a year old, stand up, please. A mother of a baby under a year. Okay, we got several. We got several. A little competition. All right. Now, I'm going to go down, and let's see who's the youngest little one here. So, uh, if you are over 11 months, sit down. 10, 9, 8, oh, okay, Danita's out, all right, all right. <laughs> 7, all right, down to 2, 6, 5, Anna is the winner, okay, and we have a gift for you, Anna. Very good, a little gift for the newest mom. Now, now the opposite of the newest mom is what? No, it's not. No, it's not. No. It is the longest tenured mom. That's the opposite of the newest mom. The longest. See, I'm smart, y'all. I'm smart. I don't say things like that. The longest tenured mom. That means you have been a mom for the longest time. So that means your child is the oldest. Now, they don't have to be here this morning, but the oldest child, the mother of the oldest child. So how many of you are a mom of someone over 50 years old? Stand up. If you are a mom of someone over 50 years old. Okay, yeah. Great. All right. So let's go. Let's, let's just make a big jump here. Let, let's just go 60 years old. Anybody left? Okay, we got a couple. All right, all right, four left. 65 years old. You have a child 65 years old? Okay. All right, how old? 65 on the dot and 68 winner winner. Oh, wait, wait, wait. One more. How old is your child? 67. All right, winner right over here. Yeah, okay. Give her a round of applause. All right, here we go. Next one. Most prolific mother. Okay. Most prolific mother. So if you're a mom and you have five or more children, stand up. Five or more children if you are a mom with five or more. Okay, good. Good. All right. Uh, let's, let's jump. Seven or more children. Okay. Eight or more all right, I know how many you got. Story, how many kids? 11. Story is the winner. Yeah, all right. So let's get Story a gift. And last, but certainly not least, this one's for the grandmas out there. Grandmas. Most prolific grandma. Okay, so you're ready. So how many of you grandmas out there have more then let's just, let's start with 10. How many, more than 10 grandchildren stand up? Okay, all right, we got a few, good. Let's, let's jump 15, more than 15. Okay. I think it's going to be Sandy here. I know how many my mom has, so. How many do you have, Sandy? 19, Sandy is the winner, yeah, very good. Sandy is the winner here. So we have a little gift for you. We just really want to honor and celebrate the gift of motherhood today. And you know, here's the reality. Motherhood is hard. It's hard. And, and, and we don't necessarily need like anecdotes or passages of scripture to tell us that. We learn that motherhood is hard 
perhaps from the greatest source of information in the world, memes. We learn that motherhood is hard from memes. So I have a few here for you as we begin to remind us of the difficulty of motherhood. Motherhood is learning to be a snack holder for children, no matter how fabulous you look. That happened to some of you this morning. You got all dressed up and you still had snacks in your lap. Motherhood is hard because sometimes you have to listen to stories that have no beginning and no middle and no end. How many of you have made this face before? Right here. Yes. All right. Motherhood is hard because you are the one tasked with having your children take pictures. And they all do this while you're trying to take them. We have a photo opportunity for you this morning after the service. Pastor Rod will share a little bit about that. I hope none of you endure this today. And last but not least, motherhood is hard because the lifelong challenges of motherhoods can change you significantly. Motherhood is a challenging, challenging thing. And yet, in spite of all the difficulties of being a mom, ma motherhood is an extremely meaningful calling. Not only are the reason, literally the reason that all of us are here this morning is because of our mothers, but mothers have made a significant investment in all of our lives in some ways. Your mom has impacted you in 10 thousand different ways which leads me to my point this morning simply this we must celebrate the significance of motherhood so if you are a mom here today i want to remind you that the role that god has given you has eternal significance whether your children are still in diapers or whether they're grown and they have children of their own being a mom is serious business and i want you to remember that this morning your work as a mom has meaning your work as a mom has eternal value. And if you're not a mom here today, I want to remind all of us this morning to honor and value the incredible contribution that mothers, both physical and spiritual mothers, have made in our lives. Let's celebrate and honor and remember that this is a wonderful gift from the hand of our creator, the self. In essence, my hope is that all of us would walk out of this, this, this message this morning and just have this simple thought ringing in our minds. Motherhood matters. It matters. It's meaningful. It's significant. It's a big deal. This idea is highlighted in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And maybe this is not the first passage you would run to when you're thinking about motherhood in the scripture. But I think if you look carefully at this passage, it says some extremely profound things about the gift a mother can play in the lives of her children. The book of 2 Timothy is written by the Apostle Paul to his ministry protege, Timothy. Now, if you've read the New Testament... you you realize that Paul and Timothy's relationship is very tight. In fact, Paul calls himself kind of the spiritual father of Timothy over and over again. My son, Timothy. My son, Timothy. There's no one like Timothy. And yet, and yet, here Paul, the person outside of the Lord Jesus that no doubt is the most influential in Christian history, pauses and say, you know, this person that I have invested most directly in my investment in them was not as significant as his mother's or investment in them. I mean, that's, that's staggering when you stop and think about it. This is Paul's disciple, and he says to Timothy, hey, don't forget about your mom. Don't forget about your mother. Don't forget about the grandmother and the role that they played in your investment in your life. Outside of the Son of God himself, Paul is saying that Paul, the most influential figure in Christian history, is amazed by the spiritual investment that Timothy's mother and grandmother had into him. So if I could summarize this, moms, you're just kind of a big deal. You're kind of a big deal. I know you know that. I know moms know they're kind of a big deal. But we need to be reminded this morning that moms are a big deal. So this raises the question, why is motherhood such a big deal? And I want to answer it briefly here from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Why motherhood matters. Here's the first reason why motherhood matters. Number one, mothers have incredible influence. That's why motherhood matters. Mothers have incredible 
influence. Look at verse 14. But as for you, this is Paul speaking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed. Now catch this next phrase here, knowing from who you learned it. So Paul calls Timothy to remain faithful to God's word and reminds him who taught him the Bible in the first place. Now the word whom there, it's a plural word. So Paul is not saying, remember, hey, you learned it from me. He's referring to multiple people that invested in his life. So who is Paul talking about? Look again at the text. 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, plural, multiple people you learned it from, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. So Timothy was taught the Bible from the time that he was a child. So who taught him this Bible? All you have to do is skip back a couple chapters. 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5. I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And now, I am convinced, lives also in you. So Timothy had a godly mom. And a godly grandmother that taught him the word of God from an early age. And here's the thing. This teaching from Lois and Eunice made a tremendous difference in Timothy's life. Timothy was transformed because he was taught the Bible by his mother. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse number 17. Here's how Paul describes Timothy. This is what this young man grew into. I have sent Timothy to you. He is my dearly loved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you about my ways in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Did this man grow into a spiritually mature person? Yes or no? And Paul is saying, it's not just because of what I did, it's because of his mom. Because his mom invested in him. Timothy grew up into this young man who loved and feared God. Or it gets even better. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 20. For I have no one else like-minded. This is Paul speaking about Timothy again. Who will genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven character because he has served with me in gospel ministry like a son with a father. So Timothy became a key partner in the apostolic ministry of the Apostle Paul. I mean, that's a pretty good reference. It, if I got this on a resume, if Pastor Rod and I were looking at resumes for people applying to work at Gospel Hope, and their resume says, um, there's no one like him, the Apostle Paul. We're hiring the guy on the spot. And Paul is saying, I have no one like him. And you know where that came from? It came from the investment that his mother and his grandmother had in his life. Here's the idea. Moms, you have a truly incredible influence. Don't forget that. You have a truly incredible influence in the life of your children and grandchildren. The influence of Lois and Eunice in Timothy's life has a couple of profound implications. Let me share what those are. The first one is this. God's future grace can overcome your past brokenness. You say, what do you mean by that, Ryan? Well, your influence on your children can actually overcome any brokenness that you experience. Well, how do you know that? Well, look again at the text. Acts chapter 16, verse number 1. We're introduced to Timothy for the first time. Here's what it says about this young man. Paul went to Derbe and Lystra, and there was a disciple named Timothy. Notice this description. The son of a believing Jewish woman, but his father was a Greek. Well, what does that tell us? Timothy's mother was a believer, but most likely Timothy's father was not. Here's what that means. In a sense, Timothy was not a blue chipper. 
coming from a perfect situation or a perfect home. No doubt this made for significant difficulties in Timothy's upbringing with his mother and father not being on the same page spiritually, and yet Timothy would go on by God to be used by God in tremendous ways. Let that be an encouragement to our heart. You don't have to have a perfect background. You don't have, a par- have to have a perfect family. God can work through your investment in your children no matter what the circumstances are around you. God perfectly works through imperfect people, and I would add imperfect situations. There's a tendency today to try to protect our children and grandchildren from every possible hardship. In fact, there's a word for this. We call this helicopter moms. You know what I'm talking about? They hover around and try to make sure that their children don't experience any hurt or loss or difficulty. But if I could amend that, this track record basically says this, that even if your children experience danger and difficulty and, and hardship in their life, God can use your influence Not to make sure that their life is pain-free or worry-free, but God can use your influence in their life to shape them in profound ways. Eunice could not shield Timothy from everything, but her investment made a difference in her child's life. If I could change the metaphor from helicopter mom, I'd like moms to think about themselves of tanker trucks. I know that's not very, like, cool or attractive. But what does a tanker truck do? A tanker truck fuels you up so that you can go forward on your journey. So moms, would you not just hover around and try to protect your children from anything and everything? Rather, be like a tanker truck who is investing and pouring in and fueling and helping and navigating so that when they go out into the life, when you can't control them anymore, which you never can, When you can't hang on to them and they are sent out, they have the tools, they have the resources, they have the fuel that they need to be faithful in following their Lord. My encouragement is this. Moms, you can't insulate, but you can invest. You can't insulate, but you can invest. There's another implication here from the influence that Eunice and Lois had on their son. And it's this. God's work in you Listen, God's work in you enhances his work through you. God's work in you enhances his work through you. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 5 again. I recall your sincere faith, Timothy, that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced lives in you also. So Eunice and Lois were women of sincere faith. Even though Eunice's husband was not a believer, she was the real deal. And that authentic walk with God somehow, in some way, found its way into Timothy's heart and life. The principle is this. Character counts. Character counts. There is a tendency. Moms... There's a tendency for you to want your children to have everything. I'm looking at you, grandmas. You want your children to have everything, and I understand that. I get it. I understand that you love them, and you want to bless them. But the greatest gift that you can give your children is not the best education. It's not the greatest experiences. It's not a flawless holiday. It's not incredible vacations. It's not the latest technology. None of these things in and of themselves are bad. But listen to me very plainly. The best thing that you can give to your children is your own authentic walk with God. The best thing that you can give your children is you be a woman of the word. You be a woman of prayer. You be a woman who is growing in your character and becoming more and more like Jesus. Yes, it's, it's great and it's fine and it's acceptable to give your children some of these tangible things or experiential things. That's great. But the best thing in the world that you can give your children is your sincere faith. That's what happened to Timothy's life. 
Paul says, Timothy, you have sincere faith. And you know where that came from? It came from your grandma. And you know where that came from? It came from your mom. These were women of sincere faith. And now that sincere faith is planted in your heart. If you long for your children and your grandchildren to love Jesus, then make your first priority loving Jesus. Moms, make no mistake. God has given you incredible influence. No matter your circumstances, like Eunice and like Lois, you can point the next generation to Christ. Number two, mothers not only have incredible influence, mothers have compelling content. Say, what do you mean by that? Well, God gave moms this influence, but then he also gave them a resource to leverage with that influence. Look at the text again. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 14. Um, And you know that from infancy you have known the sacred, what's it say, folks? Scriptures. You know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures. So Eunice and Lois used the influence that God gave them to teach Timothy the Bible. That's what it says, right? Like, they use their influence to teach their children the Bible. And look how the Bible is described here. I mean, this is amazing. The sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Now, that's a great curriculum. Moms, you've been entrusted with the scriptures which are able to make a child wise to salvation. That is the best content in the world. And this is consistently the way the Bible speaks about itself. Hebrews chapter 4, verse number 12. For the word of the Lord is living and effective and sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as the separation of the soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Or right here in our passage in 2 Timothy, verse number 16, it says, And all scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching and for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. The idea is simply this. The word works. The word works. The implication is straightforward, right? Moms, let me say this as plainly as I can. Teach your children the Bible. Talk about the Bible. Pray the Bible. Be a Bible-saturated person. Let the words of your mouth be filled with the words of Scripture. The best gift that you can give to these children is an authentic life transformed by the Word of God and the best content, the most compelling content that you can pass on to your children is the Bible itself. Without question, there are 10,000 things that kids need to learn from their mothers, right? I mean, from how to sit at a table and how to use a fork, how to ride a bike and write their name, how to put away their laundry. We're still figuring that one out, I'll be honest with you. Moms, you've got to teach your kids so many things. But in all your instruction, do not neglect the most important thing that you must teach your children. Often, listen to this, often the enemy of the best is the good. Don't be guilty of teaching your children 10,000 good things without teaching them the very best thing. The word of God and the impact that it is meant to have on their lives. Listen, Rod and I, absolutely love serving you guys and teaching and preaching the word to you. We love doing this. It is a privilege. It is a honor. It is something that we take very seriously. But can I tell you a little trade secret right now? This is from the, you know, the dark rooms of pastors. We don't want to be your children's most influential spiritual, spiritual people in their life. We don't want to be the primary shaping influence in the lives of your children. We can't. We can't. Look, we get an hour a week. One hour a week. 
and you have their whole lives to spend with them. We want you. We want you moms, you dads, you grandmas, you grandpas to be the most profound theological teachers in their children's life. Don't let it be said at the end of their lives, I learned so much from my pastors. I, I hope they do say that. But let them have this little asterisk at the end, but I learned more from my mom. Because she just spoke the word to me. She was a person of sincere faith, and she consistently poured the word of God into my life. Be the greatest spiritual influence in your children's life. If I could be, use one more analogy, let me use this one. Let's be a bunch of sponges. Have you ever seen a sponge that's just like saturated with water? Like just soaked. What happens when you touch that sponge? Inevitably. You get wet. Because it is filled. It is filled with water. You touch it, water gets on you. Man, I want to be that type of person where I am so filled with the word of God. When people come in contact with me, they are inevitably get a little soaked themselves. They get a few drips on them. Moms, what if over the course of the next decade, what if over the course of the next 20 years, you just were a word-saturated sponge that got filled up every morning? You just dunked yourself in the word of God. And so when you come in contact with all those little ones or your grown children, guess what inevitably spills out of you? The word. You're just saturated with the word and soaking those around you, giving a little drip there, a little drop there. I'm not saying you need to preach sermons to your sons or daughters, but I am saying we need to be people of the word who are instructing the next generation with the scriptures. Huh. Mothering is hard work. But God, in his grace, has given you the right tool for the job. He's not giving you a magic wand, as nice as that would be. He's not giving you an easy button, as cool as that would be. But he has given you the word, which says this about itself, is able to give your children wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. He's giving you the word, which is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness. He's giving you the word that is able to make your sons and daughters complete, equipped for every good work. Moms, to be sure, you are in a war for your children's souls. Do you feel that? Do you feel that war for the eternal destiny and health of your children? God has given you the sharpest sword in the world to fight that battle. Let's pick it up. Let's wield the word, the weapon that God has given you to fight this spiritual battle. Let's be a bunch. Let's have a church full of women warriors, not Xena warrior princesses. But word-saturated women who take up the sword of the Spirit and use it in the warfare that God has called them to engage in. Women, you have been entrusted with the word. Let's wield it in ways that cuts to the dividing of the soul and spirit. No other weapon will do. Hey, I'd like to transition right now and welcome a couple, uh, uh, a few warriors up here to the stage with me. And I want to talk to them. So I'm going to ask um, my lovely wife, Trisha, to come on up, and DeLacy Franklin and Sandy Skinner to make their way up there. So give these ladies a round of applause here. So these three ladies kind of represent some different stages in motherhood. Um, Sandy, as we saw earlier, you can have a seat, Sandy. That's okay. You guys are being all so polite. Go ahead, Delacy. Sandy is a grandmother of how many, Sandy, did you say? 19. 19. And Delacy, your children are how old? Eight, five, Eight, five and one. And uh, Trish and I, well, we're in every season of life all the time, so... Uh, we have children from the gamut. So I just want to take a minute and let you hear from some mothers uh, about some things that God has taught them. So let's, let's just take a minute and reflect. So ladies, if you could all answer this to me, for me. Um, you know, as a mom, what is the biggest temptation that you think you face? You got the mic, Delacy. I think that's... 
Okay. Um, oh, that's on now. <laughs> <laughs> well, my biggest temptation, um, well, first thing that comes to mind as a mom, my, I have a temptation to want to compare myself with other moms and how they're doing things um, differently than I do and just have a tendency to sometimes think that, well, they've got it together, you know, why, you know, why am I failing in these ways with, mm. you know, how I'm approaching things with my kids. Um, so that's probably one of the biggest things that I face. And then also, I'm often tempted to feel like I have to do it all um, and that so much of the things that I need to do to, uh, I guess, parent my children um, fall on my shoulders mm. and that I don't look to, I guess, leaning to this, you know, leaning on the Lord and the strength that he's able to give me to kind of endure and guide them and even sometimes like failing to see how the Lord has blessed me with such a great husband and all the things that Julian does to come alongside me and parent together and just really inward thinking in terms of um, what I need to do and there's always a to-do list and so those are probably the things that I have to be most intentional about getting those lies and those falsehoods out of my mind and, and refocusing on, on what the true um, path that the Lord has me on in mothering my kids. Mm, that's good. Thanks, Lacey. Sandy? Well, for me, when my kids were little, my biggest temptation at the end of the day, when I was always tired, I was tired all day, at the end of the day was getting the kids in bed. Just couldn't wait till they were asleep. <laughs> and so it, bedtime would get close, and I'd say, okay, 10 more minutes, you know. But that was the time when they wanted to talk. And um, over and over, I don't think I really realized it at the time, so much as I do looking back, that that's the time, you know, they want your attention, they want to ask these hard life questions, and you just want them to sleep. But um, over and over, the Lord would kind of nudge me and say, okay, a few more minutes, you can do this. So for me, that was, that was great. Um, I feel like the Lord has just, reveal this Pull to it me. Up a little bit, oh, sorry. Um, in the last few years is I think my greatest temptation is for control to try to control the circumstances in my kids' lives or in our um, family dynamics or to even try to control um, the changes that need to happen in my kids' hearts. Like I um, just, the Lord kindly has been revealing that to me, that that is not something that I can control, but I often go back to that. Like if, you know, if I can get the circumstances right or the situation or, um, you know, just input the right thing, which we'll talk about a little bit more in the next question. But um, ultimately, you know, that desire has to be surrendered to the Lord and he has to be the one, you know, recognizing his sovereignty and um, in the circumstances and also over their hearts. So that would be one of my greatest temptations. Right. So we've been looking here at 2 Timothy 3 and the example of Lois and Eunice. So, ladies, if you've kind of heard that or reflected on that passage, how does their example both kind of challenge and encourage you? I just think I am challenged by their faithfulness. Um, oftentimes, we do not see the results right away from um, the seeds that we're sowing, and we are trying to share the word and um, make sure that is a part of our daily life and our home. And, you know, oftentimes it doesn't seem to be doing anything. So just to see, I'm encouraged and convicted by their faithfulness, encouraged that, that in the end it truly reaped a harvest um, in his life. And um, I think the Bible is so kind to point us back to the fact that um, it's because of their faithfulness and their diligence. Um, and just, yeah, just convicted to, to continue that work and to make sure that that's a priority um, in, in my life first and then translating that into the life of my children. I think I'm challenged the most by um, the fact that since Lois is mentioned by name uh, in the Bible as a grandmother, that it shows me that, um, you know, my, my work or my input 
violence um, is not over when my kids move out. That's right. Um, but that I have another generation yeah. to to um, try to influence. And you know, your words about um, being a sponge to the Bible—that's um, that's very helpful. Be reminded of that because um, some kids, some of our grandkids, um, you know, will seek us out sometimes for not too often, but some for advice or something they might just want to talk about they don't feel comfortable talking to their parents about. Yeah. And so I want to be there. I want to be sure I'm ready. Mm. That's good. That's good. Thanks, Sandy. Oh, just to piggyback off what Sandy said, um, my, my um, grandmother, my maternal grandmother was um, very prominent in my life and growing up and um, thinking about Lois and Eunice um, in the passages that we've been studying it reminded me of the legacy that they've instilled in me um, and the opportunity that I get to um, plant seeds and leave these fingerprints of my kids and show them um, not just through what I'm saying, but they get to see um, how I walk through problems and how I'm praying over things and um, what my priorities are. And it made me think about my grandma. My grandma is still alive. She's 103 years old, born in 1919. And I'm from Alabama, and that's where she is. And so she did not have um, the opportunity to have certain educational opportunities. So um, when she was in her 70s, she um, enrolled in a literacy program by Barbara Bush, and when she graduated, she actually got to meet her. But I remember um, so doing the math, I was probably around 10, when she was going through this program and um, going with different family members to take her every week because she didn't drive. And her goal of this program to get to become a stronger reader was that so she could read the Bible for herself. Mm. And I just remember that that was just so impactful. And um, when she was done with it and everything, the Bible was the only book that I ever saw her, like, that was why she did it. That's what she read. So she wasn't, take, she wasn't doing it for any other purpose, really, that I could see. And I just remember thinking, wow, what's in that book that my grandma at 70 put so much importance on being able to know the word of the Lord for herself mm. and prize it that way. I mean, it's still, like I said, she, it's still by her bedside um, nightstand, and she reads it every night. Mm. And I want, and she told me growing up so many things about, you know, trust the Lord, do this and that, but that, those types of things, me seeing her do things like that are the most impactful so I'm just prayerful that I can um, leave fingerprints on my kids the way that that instance was left on me. Man, what a great story of God's faithfulness there. Um, so just kind of in closing, we, we've been talking about, man, motherhood is essentially like you're fighting for your kids' souls in one sense. And God has given you this weapon, the Word of God, to fight with. So what are some ways... Um, that you can get the word into your children's lives? What are some just kind of best practices that, that you've seen that's been effective as you seek to mother? I know all three of these ladies are godly women who love God's word. So what are some ways that you would encourage other mothers to say, man, you can get the word in in these ways? Well, for me, again, my kids are eight, five, and one, and so they're still pretty young. And I work full time, our lives are really busy. So I used to be really discouraged that I just felt like I wasn't, you know, being very, I wasn't doing big things all the time to, you know, instruct them in the word. And, you know, so I just started just filling in the gaps where we could just in daily life things. So some practical things that I do um, for my daughter who's five. So she saw that her, my husband and her brother, they have they were going through like a graphic novel Bible because my son liked pictures and they were studying that. So with her, we got a picture, the big picture Bible. And she also has assignments every night. She's in kindergarten for school where she's supposed to be reading. 
uh, a book every night. So I kill two birds in one stone and we read. <laughs> so that's the book, like we do a section every, you know, each night and that's, that's her reading. And then we use that time and that to pray. So one night I'll say it's my turn to pray and then it's her turn to pray and I just let her pray and do whatever, you know, sometimes it's God, I'm thankful that you made cookies. So <laughs> Me too. But <laughs> Me too, I agree. So just little things like that. And like my one-year-old, I love to sing, but Julian says that me and the worship team is not happening. <laughs> the skill is not there. So I sing the hymns that I grew up with my grandma to my baby when I'm trying to rock him to sleep. So just things like that. Just get it, get it in where I can. That's right. We had a little um, devotional series called Little Visits with God. And um, the man that led Steve and I both to Christ and discipled us when we were young adults um, recommended this. And it was just a wonderful, it was very light, but it had a scripture. It had a little story that applied the scripture. And then it had a little section at the end, and if my three boys were here, they could all say this in unison. Let's talk about this. They used to kind of joke about it whenever it came up, but um, it had little questions that would kind of guide. Then it was very, it was sort of light. But it gave us, but we used it pretty much every night, and it gave us a chance to get deeper as I got a little older, but start off kind of light and small. So it worked for us. Um, I would say there's a few different ways that we have tried to just incorporate the Word of God into our home. Um, I would say my favorite is um, Seeds Worship. It's uh, music that is on Amazon Music. They have CDs, and it's just scripture um, in songs, and we used a, a different one when Ian was little. It was called Hide Him in Your Heart, and uh, same premise, and I remember just, he was such, he's 19 now, just home from college, um, and I remember still to this day, he was just a little guy, and I heard him singing in his room, and I, it was one of the verses, and I was like, how does he know that, you know, and then I remembered we just play the CD kind of just in the background of our home. And he was just incorporating the word of God into his heart in that way. And so that's something that we still do to this day. And sometimes I'll catch myself, um, you know, we listen to other things, but, but often, um, you know, even my own heart, it's, I have a playlist called Kids Worship, and it has all of those different um, CDs on there. And just having that going on helps me as well um, just throughout the day. So that's one thing. And then um, we, we, do, we do well in this, and then we kind of fall off the wagon and we come back. Um, but we try to do, um, it's called Fighter Verses. It's an app, and it's just a scripture memory that it's a verse each week and just try to work on it, um, whether it's at lunch or breakfast or dinner. Um, just try to go through that together and memorize that and kind of have that accountability. Um, the kids get a treat if they have it memorized by Thursday or Friday. Um, so that helps. Um, and then the, the last thing is there are, there are excellent um, Bibles for kids for every age group. So there's ones for toddlers, there's ones that are appropriate for elementary, middle school, and we've just made it a priority to have those in our home and to be working through those, um, just spending some time each day um, studying that together and just reading that depending on their ages with questions like Sandy was saying so there's just there's so many resources and I'm sure that you could talk to any of us and we would have some recommendations if you have any questions but I'm so thankful for the many ways that we can hide God's word in our hearts and also give that to our children great can you thank these ladies for their testimony here thanks so much ladies So you might listen to all of that and say, man, I would love to be the type of mother or grandmother or parent that uses her influence and speaks the word to her children. But I fail so often. I've tried that before. Got on the bus and I fell off the bus. I want to be that type of person, but honestly, I fail so frequently. I'm overwhelmed. Sometimes I just feel good if I brush my teeth for the day. How am I supposed to be a person that really is saturated with the word and pouring it in to her children? Is there any hope? 
Thankfully, the answer is yes. Here's the good news. Listen. As much as you love your children, as much as you would give yourself for them, God cares about you even more than you care about your children. God cares about you even more than you care about your children. The book of Isaiah puts it this way. Look, look, listen to this passage. Can a woman forget her nursing child? What's the answer to that question? No. Or lack compassion for the child of her womb? What's the answer? No. But even if these forget, which is impossible, here's what the Lord of heaven says, yet I will not forget God loves you more than you love your kids. That's what that's saying there. Even if a mom can forget a nursing child, which doesn't happen, even if that happened, God could never forget you. Mom, if you're tired, if you're overwhelmed, if you feel like you're not enough, who am I kidding? Because you're tired, because you're overwhelmed, because sometimes you feel like you're not enough, remember, God loves you. And the fact of the matter is, God has done all that is necessary to demonstrate that love for you. Has he not? Romans chapter 8, verse number 32 says it this way. He did not even spare his own son. What more can he do? What greater act of love could God show for his people than the giving of his own son? He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also, along with him, grant us everything? Jesus is the down payment on God's love for you. Jesus is the down payment on God's love for you. So if you're tired, remember that God gave his son. And if he's given his son, he will give you strength. If you are overwhelmed, remember that God gave his son. And if he gave Christ, he will give you peace. If you feel inadequate, remember God gave his son. And if he gave his son, he will give you wisdom to navigate this crazy world. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all. How will he not, mom, give you everything you need? Jesus is a down payment on his love and concern for you. So here's what I do want to do right now as we conclude. I'd like you to take a minute just with the folks around you. Find two or three other people around you. I want you to answer this question. Hey, I want you to encourage the moms in that group in particular. Would you answer this question? I'm thankful for my mom or spiritual mothers in my life because. Can you do that for just a minute? Just have a quick conversation. Encourage the moms around you. I'm thankful for my mom or spiritual mothers in my life because. And then we're going to take a minute and just pray for the mothers in this room. So can you do that? Have a quick conversation. I'll call us back to prayer. Go. All right. 
Sounds like some wonderful conversations happen. Here's what I want to do right now. Moms, I want to ask you to be ministered to right now, okay? If you're a mother, would you stand on your feet if you're able? Stand on your feet. If you're a mother, would you stand on your feet? Now, non-mothers in the room, would you find a mom right now? Doesn't have to be your mom. Would you find a mom? Would you maybe put your hand on their shoulder? And would you just pray for them? Take some turns praying for them. Gather around them and pray for them and thank God for them and ask God to give them strength. So find some moms and pray for them right now. Just take turns praying over these ladies. Father, we give you honor, we give you glory. We thank you for this precious gift that you have entrusted to us. Thank you for the dear women in this room who have invested in the next generation. Oh God, I pray that you would fill them with strength Fill them with wisdom. Lord, fill them with your word. That the moms in this, in this room would have a legacy of generations that fear and know you because of their investment. Oh God, being moms, being a mom is a hard task. It's often thankless, it's often unseen. But you see and you care. And you empower. So I pray even today, these moms and grandmothers would be encouraged that you love them even more than they love their children and grandchildren. God, let them be reminded that you are a faithful God. Father, we thank you. We give you glory. We give you praise. We give you honor. Let's worship our Savior together. Let's stand on our feet and worship.